Hello, and welcome to Making Problems to Solve, the podcast about curiosity, creativity, and problem solving. I'm Dave, and today I'm talking to Alma from Pink Soul Studios. How are you doing? Good. How are you, Dave? I'm good. Thanks a lot. Um, so I usually like to go all the way back and try to find out um, the origins of your creativity. Um, do you have any memories of having a creative family? I absolutely do. I um, give all the credit to my grandfather. He was um, very much like an OG DIYer, like before it was cool, you know, before, uh, <laughs> um, you know, people admitted to doing things themselves and, and thought you were, you know, great at it or whatever. He um, came from Mexico to Detroit um, and you know, to get by, he kind of uh, did everything himself. And he was very creative sure. with uh, what he what he built or what he made, but he was also very creative in general. So he um, would, if he saw something that like, that we would get like at a fair, that's something that my mom or my grandmother uh, would get for me, he would try to make it himself if he thought it was cool enough. So um, he did a lot of woodworking um, and... Um, yeah, a lot of like house repair, but it was always in a very, uh, imaginative way, you know, like he would use like really weird things to fix other things. Um, uh, never threw anything away. So sure. I get a lot of that, you know, I get a lot of that from him. My mother was also very creative. Um, she was very artistic, had great handwriting, um, loved to make, you know, crafts and things like that. And, she is also like the biggest reason why I even went towards more of the art, uh, pursued art more, you know, in school at a young age. Um, she never, never once was like, you're never going to make money doing that. You know, um, she never, you know, she always encouraged me to be creative. Um, anything that I needed, both my parents were always there to help me. Um, so I feel very fortunate that they were always very supportive of that, you know, and they, you know, my mom was always like, she didn't think there was anything that I couldn't, you know, I, there was nothing that I couldn't make or, or, or paint or draw or build. Um, she always encouraged her to do that. My dad now still does the same. Like he's always like, you know, so proud. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely runs in my family. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. Um, did you have access to tools and stuff for you? building things, uh, you know, even just like little small things, uh, you know, out of wood or anything when you were a kid? Um, yeah, my grandfather had a whole workshop. So, you know, as much as he didn't really love people in his workshop, um, he <laughs> would let me, you know, like he'd give me little scraps and things like that. And I'd go steal and sneak his tools and try to make things. I remember one time uh, I was really young and me and my neighbor friend wanted to make a clubhouse. And so we um, I don't even know where we got these, like, we must've just taken panels of wood from like our parents or grandparents garages, you know, but we, I just remember we had a pile of like random wood and we thought we were going to build. And I had to have been like, maybe, maybe like nine years old, somewhere around there, 10 years old. And, um, yeah, we went and like, you know, borrowed and snuck around with tools and things. They were all hand tools. Um, mm -hmm. and then like, it did not work. We're like, we were not builders at, 
you know, nine or 10 years old. So, um, (laughs) but my, again, my grandfather came to the rescue and like within a matter of like two days, he had constructed like a little house for us to be our clubhouse. Um, so yeah, yeah. So yeah, we, I was really lucky that again, that uh, there were tools and things around for me. And, um, my mom would always buy me like the little kits of like to paint or I remember, um, and I must've been like, maybe like even seven or eight years old. And she bought me a wood burning kit. Like who does that? Like you give your okay. kid like this hot iron, you know, <laughs> like here, just yeah. draw with this hot iron. Um, so yeah. So I had a lot of opportunities to have tools when I was younger. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I think I bought my son a wood burning kit, like at a yard sale or something when he was around that age, probably yeah, maybe yeah, he was right? like nine or 10, but I, yeah, he was, um, he's probably more like me though. Right. He's like, this looks cool. And then like, try it for five minutes and be like, I'm not good at it. And then <laughs> <laughs> my kid's the same way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, well, he's like 25 now. So yeah. I think he, he kind of grew out of it, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, definitely. It's a lot of, uh, a lot of that going around. Um, that's cool. And did you have, um, any experience with art and stuff in school? Did you have opportunity for art classes? Um, yes. Uh, yeah, there were a lot of art classes in high school. I went to a really good high school um, in Michigan and was, again, very fortunate to, to um, I feel, go to this high school. But they very much encouraged, they had a really good art program. So I my, my last two years, I think I was able to do, I, like, I, I did the thing where, like, you go to summer school to, like, I took all the classes that I had to take uh, to mm-hmm. graduate and then my last like year or two years was nothing but art classes. Um, oh, that's cool. So, yeah. So, you know, it sucked going to summer school and, but I knew what the goal was even then, you know, to just, you know, be more creative. Um, so, yeah. That's great. Do you remember any of your teachers that, um, you know, gave you encouragement or kind of made you think that, you know, something you should uh, keep doing? Um, yeah, I had, um, my high school art teacher was really, she was really great to me. Um, her name was Mrs. Grunewald, I believe her name was. And, uh, like she really had confidence in me and trust. Uh, at one point my junior year, I think she gave me a key, like a master key to the art department. Um, and yeah, and I used to be able to just go in any room and, and like, I would go in early and stay late. And sometimes other students would stay, um, some of my friends and we, I mean, we were really good kids. Like, you know, we never really got into any trouble, so she could trust us, but yeah, we would stay, you know, go in early, stay late and just work on our projects. Um, and you know, she is the one that really encouraged me um, in, in school, like a teacher that I can remember that really encouraged me, even like a few years later in my twenties, I had my first big art show at a gallery in Detroit. And, um, I don't know how she found out, but she found out and like showed up with another, with another teacher from then. And so it was really cool. And yeah, it was really cool. It was really great experience. So, yeah. Cool. And did you, how did you, uh, continue your art after high school? 
Um, I did go to art school for a little bit. Um, I think I got burnt out pretty fast and switched gears to like, I don't even remember. It was like criminal justice or something <laughs> ridiculous. Okay. Like, like I like <laughs> switched right away. Like I went to an art school in Ohio and, and really just um, my first, like, uh, what do you call that? Like my first, the first time having freedom, you know, at such a young age, like I just kind of blew it. And uh ended up coming back home. And so, you know, there were a couple of years where I didn't, I just didn't want to kind of be involved in that, um, like in being creative or, or, or in the art world. And then I think just one day, again, I was in Detroit at the time and just one day, um, I think I had come a cry. I don't know how I like got back into it, but then I got really into I think it was a friend I met um, at a job that I had and he ended up having a gallery. I think that's how it started and had heard through, you know, through friends that I was an artist um, and I got in with them and we just, we would have these art shows and um, show our, our work at the time. We'd, we'd bring in other people and it's just like a big party for, for a few years, you know? Um, oh, cool. Yeah, like it was fun. Um, and it was really great being able to collaborate with other artists at that time, you know, and this was me in my 20s, um, you know, again, in Detroit, like in this kind of underground art scene, which um, Detroit's really great for. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's how I got back into it. And then it just from there, as I got older, it became more of a um, I got more into the DIY and like um, more into like building furniture or like restructuring furniture or painting furniture. And then, you know, then I got like back into kind of paintings and, um, and then as I, you know, bought a house and it was more of like, what can I do to this, to this house now that it's mine, I, you know, right. could build furniture, I could paint whatever I wanted on the walls, you know? So that's sort of how I continued to explore, you know, my creative side. Okay. What kind of, art were you doing back then was it anything specific or um a lot of it was um i actually got really into like painting on furniture but not it's not exactly what you think of painting on furniture now like um it was such a thing back then like this is uh i'm gonna age myself here this was uh in the 90s so mm -hmm. um yeah they were like kind of funky um reconstructed furniture that i would do um and then from there it went to uh just paintings um and i would take old windows and they would basically be my canvas or my frame for a painting um okay so yeah like a lot of that i did a lot of recycled type of work then all right do you remember like what inspired you to you know try to reuse those materials was that something that connected to anything else or um you know then it was more about those were the resources that i had you know right um i again i was young and uh it was it was that was my those were my options um i i, I sure. didn't i didn't really want the traditional, I never, I never liked the traditional, like I'm going to paint on this canvas. Um, mm -hmm. 
for me, and even now it's still very restricting. Like I would rather even that same shape, right? Like a perfect square canvas. I would rather paint on a, the same size plywood, right? Because I feel like that having right. that organic nature to it, you know, where there's still like imperfections to it, right? That's more appealing to me. So back then when I started, um, those were my options that I had. They were my, the, re- the only resources that I really had. I wasn't really into buying canvas. Um, I really liked the idea of using old windows and, and old um, furniture and things like that to display a lot of them. Uh, back then I would use some of my, I'd I, I, I get take a kind of a hint to my culture uh, being Mexican and kind of throw that sort of design into it as well. Um, you know, when you're young like that and like trying to be an artist, you try to figure out, I guess, you know, what you're gonna, what's gonna, what's gonna make it, you know? Right. (laughs) And what you think is cool. (laughs) Yeah. That's pretty interesting. So you just basically carried through your creativity to whatever sort of project you happen to be working on. So when you bought a house, you're like, okay, now this house is my art project. I'm going to customize it. and make it my own yeah for sure yeah that's what it ended up being you know and um my first house was very much um very much like me like you know i had one room when this hallway was like a bright pink and you know another room was white but like it had super colorful furniture um so you know my my kitchen too like the you know i'd painted the the cabinets blue and you know, the walls were like a yellowish, like it was, it was crazy, but it all worked together. And, and it was, again, mm-hmm. it was very much who I was and what my, it was like a giant painting, you know, for me. Wow. That's, that's cool. All right. And then I know that, um, you started, um, making furniture and toys, like after, uh, you had a son and then yep. you, that kind of inspired you to, you're like, I want to make things for him. Yeah. Yeah, I um again when when I moved here to Chicago, I wasn't as um it, it was a whole new world here for me. Um so I had done one show here and it just I could never find that uh artistic community here, but I I had done one show um with my paintings and that's I, that was the last one that I've done and that was before he was born. Um my wife and I bought a house and I, again, um, here in just outside of Chicago mm-hmm. and I turned my creativity to this house, right? Like we wanted, New house. Yeah. you know, yeah, we wanted, um, you know, she would tell me that she wanted, you know, some crate and barrel bed or whatever. And I was like, can't be that hard. I can build that, you know? Um, and so, <laughs> you know, and, and thank God Anna White was around back then, you know, this was, uh, 12 years ago. And that's really how I started. Like I found um, Anna White and her website and was like, huh, this looks relatively easy. You know, Uh, my dad had come and helped me and he he's not much of a he's not a woodworker, but he you know, he knows a little bit right enough to like get by. So he helped me. And um, and then once my so I built a couple pieces like that and my son was born shortly after and. Um, that's when it really became like, uh, a thing that I really wanted to do. I, I knew that I was going to stay home with him. And so I knew that, um, 
I needed another outlet uh, as a mom, right? As a full-time mom, I wanted another outlet that I thought would just really be like a hobby. And like, you know, I would make, um, I made a little table for him. I made a little, you know, a cube seat and made a couple toys. Um, and then it, then it just grew from there. And it was like, well, I'm going to just take over the whole garage and I'm going to start building more furniture for us. And I'm going to start doing more DIY stuff in this house. And, um, I built him a big boy bed and, you know, it, it like grew from there and I got more tools and yeah. So, and here we are. (laughs) (laughs) And here we are. And here we are. That's great. Um, and yeah, I mean, you're known a lot for, um, CNC work in the maker community. When did you get Uh, the CNC? What was the inspiration for that? You know, I don't even know, like I've always, I've always liked the idea, like I'm a big tech head, tech nerd. Um, I used to work for Apple. So I like a lot of the, you know, uh, gadgets and things like that. And and then it, it, Mm -hmm. it, you know, transferred over into my woodworking life when I learned about CNCs and, um, everybody at the time was talking about like X carve and Shapoko and, um, it was like all of a sudden everyone had one, but no one really right. knew what to do with it or like, you know, no one really, I, I don't know. It was weird back then. I don't know if you remember that, but it was like, it's been a few years, but it was like when they first came yeah. out and, you know, people would cut different things, but, um, and I just thought it was cool. I had no idea how it worked. I bought a used <laughs> X carve. I, and I was just like, it can't be that hard, you know? Um, and it, and it really wasn't my machine wasn't great. Um, I, I had issues with like, you know, the, the rubber bands on it. And I think it was really because my, at the time my garage wasn't, uh, heated. And so it would get, it would fluctuate, you know, it would get really cold. And then when yeah, I'd sure. come in here, I'd put the heat on and they think it really screwed up with the rubber bands. So I ended up, um, getting an iconic CNC, which they don't make anymore. They're now, Axiom, I think, is the name. I think they they went they sold to to those guys. Anyways, it was like um an all enclosed CNC, and uh, that's really what I learned on was that CNC. And what I did was I wanted to get better at understanding um, how to take this drawing and make it into a thing, right? And that yeah. was really like me having to learn the program. Um, so I started making custom push sticks because no one was really doing that at the time. And so I'd be like, send me your logo. And I would figure out or, or you know, their logo if, if they didn't know how to send it. And, um, and I'd charge like 20 bucks or something like that. And um, that was like, I wasn't making any money at all you know, that was with shipping, you know, and, um, but it was more about at the time learning how to make these things and learning how the program. And I probably made over a hundred push ticks for, for the community. Like everybody was like, I mean, and I made the craziest things. They would say, I want a choo-choo train with my name on it. And I want it to look like a hand plane or I want it to look like, I want there to be a lobster and like, um, <laughs> so cool. like I would come up with these things and they were ridiculous looking push sticks. And most of the time people didn't use them, but I also wanted to make sure that like they could use them, you know, and I just make, cut them out yeah. of MDF. Um, so it wasn't a, a huge deal, but, um, 
it it really that's what really helped me learn the program but it also i think put me put eyes on me as far as like in the community and having a cnc and being able to like help where i can and and again it grew from there then i started cutting templates for people i would ship to new york just because whoever you know my friend there this other maker wanted they didn't know anyone in new york at the time that could cut these templates you know um sure you know so it was you know now everybody has a cnc it, it, you know you don't mm-hmm. you don't have to do all the shipping but um it was cool that's how i met a lot of people and that's how i got my name out there um was just making sure that i was one really affordable and two just always telling people like oh i can help you with that and i would just figure it out you know later <laughs> and has that been kind of a common theme through uh, your woodworking, like said, like I can figure that out. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Still, I like literally even now um, with just about anything in my life is I, I'm sure I can figure it out. Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. I w- actually was just telling my wife I'm I'm redoing our pantry and uh, I'm was I'm putting today. I've been spent the day putting a floor down um, in there. And it's just vinyl flooring, but I haven't done it in forever. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing and I'll just figure it out. And like, it just cracks her up. Cause I'm like, I have, it's not bad. Like, you know, I, I put wallpaper, I painted and did flooring and I'm like, it's not bad for somebody that doesn't really know what I'm doing. Like this looks pretty good. Um, so, so next I have to do some, you know, now it's like the, the woodworking part is going to happen because I have to build the floating shelves and the counter and things like that. So uh, but all the other stuff, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's on a daily basis. It's, it's, yeah, I'll just, I'll figure it out. <laughs> sure. And do you refer to other makers, YouTube and stuff to, you know, get that information or do you just rely on your past experiences to just figure it out yourself? Um, I mean, it's both, but I think the easiest, the absolute easiest way is just to, you know, Google it in, in YouTube and, you know, the YouTube, um, Right. Uh, search bar is would like, that's like, I'm always on there, like trying to figure out. And it, it's even just great to like, even if I know how to do something or I've done it before, um, I'm always on YouTube, like, well, maybe somebody else has done it better, you know, um, just because I know how to do it or I've done it before. Um, again, like I've laid flooring before, but I most definitely went back to YouTube and was like, eh, final flooring. Let me just see. Um, just to see, you know, if what it was like, you know, like if somebody else did something better or, you know, if I missed something, um, you know, so yeah, for sure. I'm always looking at other makers and other woodworkers. <laughs> okay. Um, when you talked about how the CNC kind of introduced you to more of the people in the maker community at the time, do you remember what, like, what was the inspiration or the reason you started sharing what you were making online? Um, for, at first it was just, um, I I don't, we don't have family here in Chicago. So at first it was to share with my family. Um, and I had always sort of, I've always had a website like with my art on there, like kind of as my portfolio, um, back then. So when Instagram became a thing, it was like, well, this is really cool. I can share what I'm doing and what I'm building here. Um, so that's really where it started. Um, and then once, 
there was this community that just kind of started to grow. And, you know, this was back in 2013, 2014. Um, and it was like, you know, it was bo- before uh, Tamar was, you know, had the hundreds of thousands of followers that she had, you know, and it was like, there was, you know, uh, Tamar and uh, Ashley, I can't think of, she's not on there anymore, but there were a bunch of us that were just like, new to this and didn't really have the following and we were all just kind of sharing and and then we'd start dming each other and that was like right when you were like wait should we be friends with people on the internet you know like (laughs) why are we like telling them all these things you know um so it was still very new to like make friends on the internet and then we decided you know was it in 2015 maybe where we're like oh let's go to workbench con and all meet all these strangers on the internet, you know? Um, so it became just like a bigger community. And I, I, that's then why I wanted to share. Right. Because they, like I had made all these friends that were also doing the same things and we were all kind of showing each other. Um, and that's still like why I continue to share what I do, you know? Of course. Yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously just being able to, you know, find other people who are, you know, doing similar things they think the same way and you know they it's a that's great but it's really interesting because i don't know i you know i ask a lot of people that question and i don't think too many people say that they started sharing stuff just to share with their or maybe they just don't remember you know it's like but yeah. that they were just oh yeah i was just sharing like the that stuff with my family because they live in a different uh state yeah <laughs> so, you know like the what normal people do on facebook right and, uh, right, right 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 <laughs> so, <laughs> All right, and um, because you you said you did find that community in Detroit, uh, our you know underground our community. How do you <laughs> compare like the you know our community you you know you you had uh, with the maker community? Um, it's very similar. You know, I think the the biggest thing is at least for me, and that what I can see off the top of my head would be the just the sharing, um, that knowledge, right, and like uh, the support. Um, it was, again, it was huge in, in Detroit and they still have such a great art community there. Um, but that was probably the number one thing. And, and it, it's the same in the maker community that we have online, you know, that we have through Instagram and YouTube. Like, I feel like that support is, is there. Um, people want to see, like, we all want to see each other grow. Um, that mm-hmm. there's, there isn't that that weird competition that I feel like you can get with other communities. Um, so that would be, I, I feel like the similarities there. That's great. Not everybody who, um, you know, ends up in the art world has that experience. Um, so, but I do think that they're out there cause you know, and I probably half the people I talk to, you know, are artists in some way, um, you know, and all of them, or of course love sharing, you know, not just their work, but you know, what they know and they love, you know, helping other people and, you know, just, you know, creating new makers and artists, right. That's the whole goal yeah. is to spread yeah. this, uh, you know, creativity and, you know, the ability to make, uh, what you see in your imagination to everybody, right. Cause not everybody gets that chance. Yeah, for sure. That's cool. Was it, Workbench Con was the first time you 
met in person other online makers? Um, before that, we had a Chicago or Illinois uh, meetup. And it was, okay. I believe it was before, was like a month or two before Workbench, I think. Uh, but I feel like the Illinois people were the first ones. I'd met a few people um, on Instagram that were in Illinois, um, you know, either in Chicago or just outside of Chicago. And um, they, I don't know how we decided it, but we, we had made up uh, an account that was like, um, Illinois woodworkers of IG or something. I don't think we don't use it anymore, but, um, there were a group of us and we decided to have a meetup at, it was a Rockler. It's no longer here, but there was a Rockler woodworking or, you know, store. I forget what city it was in Brook, Brook something. Um, but, uh, anyways, uh, I, we had it there. They were really nice to host us. And that was the first time I met like anybody, um, in the community. Um, and that was really cool. Like there were probably 15 of us, maybe, maybe even more that showed up. Um, and you know, some people drove Illinois is pretty big. So some of us, yeah. some of them drove like three hours to, to get to the store. Um, and we spent a couple hours there just hanging out and talking and, um, it was a lot of fun. That's cool. It's interesting because you know that there are people somewhere you know, they haven't come out of the woodwork. You know, if someone drove three hours, they probably drove past a thousand people uh, just like them yeah. that they don't know. And <laughs> because yeah. they're not on Instagram. Right. Right. So exactly. It's always, uh, it's always curious to see, um, you know, if there are, you know, how, how we find these people, you know, I've met a bunch of people who live, you know, 20 minutes away online or, you know, go somewhere else. Uh, to a different yeah, city yeah, and right? meet people from your, your own that's, town. So it's always yeah, funny. that totally, that's, that's happened a couple of times that happened at this last workbench con actually. Um, uh, earlier this year, um, there was a guy, uh, Ross RNC, RNC woodworking, I think, or something like that. Um, at workbench con, he came up to me and he's like, Hey, you're Alma. I was told I have to meet you. Like I had to meet you. And I'm like, Oh, Hey, you know, what's going on? And he's like, I'm Ross. We're neighbors. And he lives like, <laughs> 20 minutes from me, you know, and he's got this yeah. great shop and he actually hosted, um, he's like, I want to talk to you. I'd love to host a meetup. So he hosted one a few months ago and, um, like we had never met and, you know, the same thing. I went to the Texas woodworking show in Austin a few weeks ago mm -hmm. and I met Clara from Clara's woodworks and okay. the same thing. She's like, Hey, oh my God, it's so great to meet, you know, I'm so great to meet you. Both of us were like, oh yeah, like we love your stuff, blah, blah, blah. And she, her, her boyfriend were like, oh, where are you from? And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm in uh, just outside of Chicago. And they were like, what? We just moved from Chicago. And I was like, what? Oh no. And, yeah. They just <laughs> moved from Chicago to Houston. Um, and they're like, we've been like, we've been there for years. Uh, yeah. So it was like really weird that we hadn't you know, met, um, previously, you know, so yeah, that happens all the time. Yeah. That's great that you've been able to have that opportunity. Not everybody gets that. And obviously, you know, you live, you know, near a pretty major city. So the, yeah. just the population density is there's going to be more makers. Um, yep. so, yeah. And, but yeah. And I think it's, it's really important to try to reach out, try to find, yeah, the woodworking store, 
a makerspace, anything where you can find one other local person, because from there you can like build your local community. You know, it's so important because not everybody can travel, you know, yep. all around the country or, you know, if you're doing it as a hobby and not as a business, it can get pretty expensive to <laughs> jump on an airplane to, to chat with your friends. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, totally. And I mean, I think Instagram just changed it for everybody, you know, yeah. not just woodworking or, or maker community, like at all these different communities where they're able to, you know, I think even more so than Facebook because um, it's just a different, it was always just a different vibe on Instagram versus, you know, Facebook. So um, yeah, it is very important. Yeah. I think having that community. Yeah. And I don't know what magic Instagram has or had, um, but, yeah. um, you know, I still, you know, even if, uh, I even complain about new features or the changes to Instagram, uh, you know, all my friends are still there, so I don't really yeah. care about all that stuff, you know? <laughs> right, so right. Like, it does it's, make it, it's weird. Yeah. It, maybe it makes it harder to find those people, but again, it's the same, it's really the same thing. If you find one person on Instagram, then they're going to post someone else that's interesting and you're going to follow that person and then you're just going to yep. build this whole network of <laughs> creative weirdos that, uh, you know, can't stop, uh, talking about making stuff. Right. Exactly. <laughs> cool. Um, one of the things, um, I don't know where I found this. What this is a quote from you? Um, maybe it was on the festival oh webpage <laughs> oh boy. that says, yeah. you know, find, and it's the same thing, right? It says find a local class, get involved in the online community. Don't be afraid to make mistakes and have fun. Um, yeah. have you, have you taken a lot of classes or do you just kind of go and figure it out? Um, most of the time I'm figuring it out. I, I'm trying to think of like classes that I've, that I've actually taken. Um, I can't, I guess I can't really think of any right now. Um, I've gone to like when Rockler's hosted, you know, the, I think they still do. Um, I think they probably just started back up since the pandemic, but um, you know, they would host, uh, classes on either a tool or beginner classes, um, where you get to kind of stand around and like, listen to people talk. Um, I've right. done, I've done those. And I, I actually did take a woodworking class when I moved here after I started getting a little bit more involved. There's a, a place here in Chicago called rebuilding exchange, and they actually offer hands-on classes, um, there and, um, a lot of the the materials that they used are, you know, upcycled from housing housing that that's getting torn down or things like that. Um, yeah, but I think you know, I think most of my most of my education is probably you know YouTube University, right? Like just sure that and asking again, going back to the community and asking um, thoughts on that too. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if you don't know how to get started and you don't have the confidence to just go buy a bunch of tools and just start putting wood in them and figure out as you go. Um, yeah, class is great, especially um, you get hands-on experience. People can, you know, they can see exactly what you're doing, you know, and show you the you know proper techniques right there in the same space. So right. it's definitely really helpful. That's cool. Uh, one of the other things that um, you're known for is uh your, your motorcycle sidecar oh, yeah yep <laughs> um, it's fun <laughs> yeah and i guess you've been you know you've been interested in had 
quite a few different motorcycles along the along the way um i have yeah i still have um i have a couple motorcycles and a vintage scooter i used to be really uh addicted would be a good word um to motorcycles um and and old scooters um everything was always vintage my first new motorcycle is the one i have now it's a 2018 year old that's um got a sidecar attached to it so but it but it's very much um it's it's like a replica of a, of a vintage bmw so okay. you know it's it's very familiar to me um my other bike is a 67 bmw and then i have a 67 uh vespa so um yeah i've had quite a few i used to tinker a lot and rebuild and sell and um at one point half of my garage was sort of the motorcycle side where the where my cnc is now that was, this was like my motorcycle side and then behind me was like the woodworking um there's really no money in vintage motorcycles and scooters like rebuilding and unless you're like really doing perfect work which i was not i just like doing it so i decided to just go all in with woodworking um, okay and just kind of have more of the this motorcycles are more of like my my hobby like i like riding my son and i go on the motorcycle in the sidecar i take him to school pick him up from school he loves it you know um yeah, so, that's amazing yeah yeah they're fun it's it's a lot of fun yeah that's cool and it's uh is that kind of the same kind of idea did you know you could you said you, you didn't just buy an old motorcycle you were you know fixing it and you know you know turning it into something else or you know just you know yeah uh you know, like fixing them up so you could sell them and did, were you self-taught in that too? Um, again, I think for me, it was leaning on my community. I just thought they were cool. I learned how to ride a mm -hmm. motorcycle at a really young age. Um, and it was an old one. Uh, my mom actually taught me how to ride a motorcycle when I was 11 or 12. Um, it was my uncle's okay. dirt, dirt bike and mm -hmm. they were both like, you should learn how to ride it. <laughs> and I couldn't even touch the ground. Um, right. And, but you know, that did not stop me. Like I was ripping up and down that dirt road, any chance I got. Um, and so that's where I became kind of hooked on the idea of having a motorcycle. So in my twenties, my first art show, I sold out. And the first thing I bought was a 1971 BMW. And the only reason for that was just because I thought it looked really cool. It wasn't like I really knew what I was doing. Like, sure. um, it, you know, it was already what thirty years old at the time, but it ran great, and everybody that um, everybody that that I knew in that sort of um, motorcycle community that I'd met um, like helped me with it. You know, and they mm -hmm. they showed me how to work on it, and um, I hung out with a bunch of uh, scooter boys and skinheads that rode vintage uh vespas and lambrettas and vintage motorcycles so that was my community at the time i was you know 18 years old and uh, at the time and then it graduated from there to the time when i bought my first motorcycle so um again i leaned heavily on my community of just like helping youtube wasn't a thing back then um so sure. i didn't have that but i had friends that i had made you know um that would that showed me how to work on stuff. Um, you know, and back then you could take classes on, you know, how to maintain your lawnmower 
And I took that class at like a university because sure. an old scooter is basically like a lawnmower. So yeah, it's uh, a small any kind of, yeah. yeah, any small engine. And so that's, that's how I learned, you know, that just asking around and taking classes when I could, you know? Cool. Um, oh, I was, and you know, I was looking at your Instagram. Did you have a scooter that had a sidecar? Is that? I did. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did. My Vespa, I used to have a sidecar on it um, years ago. And um, that was, it was fun. It just was really slow. <laughs> it's yeah, not, I, I can't you know, imagine. it's not, <laughs> you know, it was really slow. And, you know, so uh, I sold the sidecar. I still have the scooter, but I sold the sidecar and um, then got a bigger, a bigger sidecar with a motorcycle right, right. attached. That makes more sense. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Um, and what's the appeal of the sidecar just so you can take, you know, take people with you or, um, I, you know, I don't know. I just always thought they were really cool. Like for as long oh. as I can remember, I like wanted a sidecar. Um, it's such a conversation starter, right? Like, you know, anywhere you go, people are like cheering you on or giving you the thumbs up or people want to ride. Um, and so I always wanted one. I had my, a couple of my friends had them on their scooters. So I got one for mine and it was okay. You know, it was fun um, while it lasted. Um, but, uh, you know, the motorcycle and sidecar, like that purchase was actually my mom and I were going to travel in it and kind of um, document it. Um, she had, she had gotten sick. Uh, so, that was kind of our thing. We never got to do it, um, unfortunately, but so now it's sort of like, um, my son and I always talk about it now, you know, like, Oh, we're going to, we're going to do this thing. Like we can't figure out what it is, but we're going to travel in it. Um, he just, he has fun in it. And so that's all that matters now is that, you know, we have fun that we can actually like get in it and go, you know, he just turned 10. So I don't have many years before he, you know, doesn't want to hang out with me at all, you know, (laughs) like, no, yeah. (laughs) Take advantage of it. (laughs) Of course. Yeah, th- that sounds like uh sounds like a lot of fun. I'm sure you'll yeah. figure out uh, the the adventure that you, right. you can go on. Um I'm curious too cuz you know, you said you lived in Detroit and now you live in Chicago. Um how much do you do you ride? Do you ride in the winter or I you know, I don't anymore. In Detroit it was like a thing. Again, I hung out with a lot of scooter boys and um we had like there were a few of us uh, that had, we were in a scooter club, vintage scooter club. Like we were so cool back then, but it was like such a thing to ride in the winter and like be able to brag about that, you know, and say like, uh, it's, you know, 30 degrees and I'm out here riding this crazy old scooter, you know, like, yeah. um, and full <laughs> like, you know, gear and layers and things. Now of that course. I'm older, there's like, there's no way, like if it's, you know, if it's 50 degrees, like I'm like, Oh, it's too cold. It's a little <laughs> um, cold. Yeah. But you know, it's not, it's not terrible. As long as there's no ice on the road or snow, like, especially with the sidecar, it can be fun. You know, as long as you, you bundle up. Um, I actually hate riding in hot weather more than cold weather. So, and that's mostly because my bike is, um, it's air cooled. So right. I'm like yeah. always getting the heat so Just when it's 90 some degrees, it's like a hundred and some degrees right on my motorcycle, you know? Um, yeah. so yeah. 
So, but yeah, sense. I try to ride, you know, when I can for sure. Like okay. it's fun. <laughs> I just remember when I took the motorcycle, you know, motorcycle class, um, one of the guys, he had a Harley with a sidecar and he'd drive all year. In it. Oh yeah. And yeah, snow People, and everything. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and you know, some of these urals that they make, um, they actually don't, mine's only two wheel or single wheel drive. Right. They make some that like the, this the sidecar wheel also will spin you can like put it into like two wheel drive and those guys are nuts like they'll ride all year they'll ride you know um off-roading and things like that like it's um like they're made for that you know right okay yeah that makes sense (laughs) that's really interesting yeah one of the things um that you made and i've seen a few times is your record cabinet uh-huh. Yeah. And it looks, you know, if, if it's going through, you also made the, the now playing like record stand. So you can put yeah. the dust jacket for whatever record you're playing. Yeah. yeah. You have the little display stand on it. Yeah. So I can see that, you know, music seems to be pretty important part of your, your life or. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And I think, um, again, like it was uh, again with like community and friends, Um, I had a friend reach out and say that they wanted a um, now playing stand. And, you know, they're like, I really want to display like my albums when I'm listening to them. And um, so that's sort of where that came from. I myself don't use a now playing. I don't know. I just don't. But um, (laughs) but (laughs) I think they're cool. Like, you know, I make them and I think they're cool. I, um, I don't know why I've never used one, though, I guess just don't but um yeah and then the the record cabinet was also a friend reached out and wanted me like gave me the idea and wanted me to actually build it um and then you know it evolved more people wanted it it's um i've got plans for it um and i've you know i sell those on etsy and my website and i get questions all the time you know about it so um but yeah, for sure, um, music is big as well with me and my family. So that's cool. Um, and these these are some of the questions I usually ask. Uh, is a history questions. Uh, but Uh-oh. did you ever study any instruments or? <laughs> um, I did. I like. I think I I played the clarinet when I was super young, um, but it was never. I never really went. I think I played in in high school like up till high school that I played it. Um, but yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah, I'm always curious because there's a lot of, uh, these crazy connections between all these different things, you know, I, you know, I like to ask because I'll be talking, you know, with someone who's a woodworker and then we'll end up talking about dance or theater or, you know, so I always like to, to explore the different, different aspects of creativity. Oh yeah, for sure. All right. Um, you said your son, obviously, you know, I think when I go back, he was, you know, pretty, pretty young. Is he getting the workshop with you at all now? Or? He, um, no, he, he used to have interest in it when he was younger. He loved coming out here and I would just kind of give him, you know, a hammer and whatever. He, he'd go through some of my drawers here and pick out stuff. And he was always really good at that. Now it's more like, can you build it? <laughs> you know, like, I want oh, right. this. Can you build that? <laughs> um, 
even if I ask him like, Hey, do you want to? And he's like, nah, I'm good. Um, he did just start (laughs) getting into, uh, he wants to help with like making videos. So he wants to be, you know, of course. Yeah. Like he's 10. So he wants to be the YouTube star. Right. And I keep trying to tell him like, it's tough. You know, it's, it's a, it's a thing, right? Like it's, Mm -hmm. um, but he, he wants to make videos and he's like, yeah, I'll help you. And, um, a couple of the videos that I've made for Instagram, you know, um, he'll be like, I can, I can be the cameraman or I can help you with whatever, but I want $5 per video that I help you on. I'm like, <laughs> okay. All right, cool. Like whatever. <laughs> so, um, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I pay him five bucks. <laughs> it's worth it. Right. Like, um, but yeah, now he's really gotten into like, just this last week um, into editing. So I showed him a couple okay. programs on on his iPad and he'll film or I'll film and then we'll move it over to his iPad. And he's like, like just like figuring it all out. And um, yeah, he, he really likes it. So he might not be in my wood shop, but he still helps me, you know, with that stuff. And he's getting more a little bit more interested in helping me in that respect. Like, I'll tell him like what I need to film. And he's like, okay, here's what we're going to do. And he comes (laughs) up with like these extravagant, like YouTuber, typical YouTuber things, right? Like he's like, we'll do a giant giveaway and you can, I'm like, whoa, 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 we're not doing a giveaway. Like, you know, or he's like, we're going to make this thing explode and then you're going to build it again. And I'm like, no, 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 we're not doing that either. You know, like, um, So, you know, we're getting there. We're getting there. Baby steps. We're getting there. He'll get it. (laughs) There's a lot of different types of YouTubers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We're like, this is like half educational, half entertainment. But we're not. Right. No explosions. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's cool. That's definitely, you know, it's definitely in the, uh, you know, spectrum, the realm of different types of creative work. Uh, So, yeah, it's really cool. You know, and it's really interesting you know, problem solving to figure out like how to, you know, how to actually capture the information on the front end. Right. Cause it's like, if you film it and you don't capture the right angle or whatever, then you're like, okay, no, it can't go back and do it again. Right. <laughs> you have to, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, plan ahead for all that. So that's uh, a, yeah. that's pretty interesting. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and yes, yeah, so many people would appreciate having uh, you know, a camera operator uh, in their house for, <laughs> you know, Five dollars, that's a pretty good deal. Not free, but <laughs> I know, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still pretty good. Uh you know, yeah, camera operator and editor. So I know, uh, I, it's you know, really a good a deal. Team. I mean, yeah, it's a good deal, I think. He's you know, till he catches on. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's also he's learning valuable skills. So I mean, because those right. are they're useful skills, you know, outside of being a famous YouTuber. So Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, there's all kinds of uh, aspects of communication that are involved. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I know you were at a maker camp last year. Are you going to be able to make it again? For sure. Yeah, I will be there. Um, I'm going to drive with Luke again, Luke in the garage. And Nick uh, is going to join us this year. Nick uh, Birchtold Designs. Okay. Um, so yeah, the three of us will drive. Yeah, yeah. We drove to WorkbenchCon and um that was they're they're like my guys, like, you know, they're they're just my buds. Um oh. so we're excited. We're gonna go to Maker Camp. We've got a uh 
RV that we're renting and um, I'm helping with one of the, one of the tents. Um, I'm not really sure. I, I got to get more information on it, but uh, <laughs> it, I think it's going to be called restoration station where we're going to be helping with different hand tools and teaching people hand tools and how to take care of them. Uh, I also volunteered to help with the coffee this year. So this year we'll have coffee, I believe all, all day long. Um, really? So, yeah, and I'll have my motorcycle and sidecar. So, you know, I'll give That's some cool. sidecar rides out. and yeah. <laughs> That's great. Well, right, will you be there? Coffee, yes. Yep. I'm always there. I live like 45 minutes away. So. Oh, nice. I, nice. I have to go. Um, yeah, but, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I saw you. I saw I was saw one of your videos. You have a print from Ryan Smith. The yeah. next, next year yeah, sign of yeah, your logo. It's, it's, yep, yep. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm I'm uh, doing block printing with uh, him in the printing tent again this year. So oh, cool, cool. Oh man, I so. love the stuff that he does. Like yeah, all He's his like creative. printer uh, machines, and we have the we both have the same CNC machine. I think that's how I found him. Was like Avid had uh, reposted something of his, and I was like, oh my okay. god, like that's what I want to do. The like making block prints. I had made a couple and reached out to him and asked him, uh, I had made some t-shirts with, uh, I'd seen seed like, a uh, mm -hmm. the plywood and whatever. Um, so he helped me with a couple of questions that I had, but, um, the, all those old machines, those that he turns into, you know, makes them new again is it's so cool. Yeah. Like it's so cool. Yeah. I'm very impressed. I found, yeah, I found him because, uh, he would, he had the vendor cook press, like the flatbed, Printing press yeah. that uh, Jimmy Dresta gave him, and yeah. he after he restored it, he posted that, and I saw that, and I was like, "One, I was like, oh dang, that's pretty cool. He got a free printing press from <laughs> Jimmy Dresta, yeah, um, right?" But also, I have um, I started a printing press collection because of Jimmy, also. So I have three, I think, I've read, yeah, three three printing presses now that are still in need of restoration. Oh wow, aren't quite that's working really yet. Cool. But um, <laughs> so that's why I just do the block printing because I can just you can just do that like with a spoon. You don't need um. Yeah any kind of fancy equipment um, yeah for sure but yeah it was pretty funny he um he posted about that press and then i forget exactly what happened but i reached out to austin uh at maker camp and he reached out separately and we both were talking to him about doing printing at maker camp and then he, you know then austin was like oh hey we're gonna have a tent for <laughs> printing in this uh you know this other guy so it's funny that i just met him like online and then we both, you know, coincidentally decided to do printing at Maker Camp at the same time. So. Oh, very cool. Were you there last year printing or? Yep. Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah, I missed you then. I only saw when Ryan was there. That's like when the first time I met him was last yeah. year. Yep. Yeah. He spent like the a whole entire Maker Camp like right there. In the yeah. Tent, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's so. very passionate about it. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. But yeah, I was trying to bring some of the other things and actually... A lot of it I was trying to get. Um, I had some, one of the printing presses I got had a couple of broken pieces. So uh -huh. we were getting help from the guy. Um, I can't remember his name, but he was doing uh, big brazing. So he was helping like fix oh, okay. some of the parts. Oh, um, very so cool. I was like running around trying to find different resources to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, uh, <laughs> oh, that's so cool. <laughs> fix these parts, so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's always fun that Maker Camp that you can, you know, if you need some kind of help or tool or something it's probably out there somewhere 
Oh yeah, it's so it's I had such a blast last year. So I'm I'm hoping for the same thing this year. <laughs> oh like yeah, you definitely weeks. won't yeah. be disappointed. Yep, yeah, it's coming up very fast. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Are you making anything for the maker swap? Um I I'm not. I I ha I didn't last year either. Um no. I if I had more time I I would. I Sure. My, um, I get it. It's like it's so packed with everything that I do here. So yeah. Of course. It, every yeah. like everything that I've seen is it's so cool the they do. Yeah, it's a great uh it's a great event. So I don't I don't have any time either to make anything, but <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> yeah. but that definitely happens, you know. That not not everybody can do it. And if everybody did, that would be really overwhelming for the oh yeah, you know, Keith sure. and those guys to <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there yeah. was like seven hundred items. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be really I heard the the attendance is gonna be really big this year. Um Yeah. Yep, and like they have the, so the many yet. new uh activities and things going on, so it's gonna be pretty pretty interesting it's gonna be really hard to see everything yeah all right um thanks a lot for talking to me uh where can people find you and see what you're working on uh so the main thing uh you could find me on instagram and it would just be pink soul studios uh and the same uh website wise if you wanted to contact me uh would just be pinksoulstudios.com great all right and i want to take a second to thank the patrons at patreon who help make the show possible uh, especially my top tier patrons, uh, Matt from Artigiano Serio, Ed Johns, John Beckner, and Brian Callahan. Uh, if you are interested in supporting the show and getting uh, access to the after show, you can go to patreon.com slash making problems to solve. Uh, you can also review the show or share it with a friend. Uh, you can follow the show on Instagram at Making Problems to Solve, and you can see what I'm doing on Instagram at Dave Bauer Art. Uh, thanks a lot for talking to me today. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for having me.